He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. And as always, we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check it all out. Some great stuff happening over the summer with golf here in the state of Oklahoma. School fixing to ratchet back up. So head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check it all out. Uh, some of the local guys, some guys from Oklahoma State. I know Brian Stark made the quarterfinals at the USAM. We'll get into more USAM talk later in the show. We've got a lot to get to today. We had the six-way sudden death playoff. Kevin Kisner breaks out for the first playoff win in his career. Moves from 0-5 to 1-5 in playoffs. We've got that to talk about. We've got a uh, guy winning on the Corn Ferry tour after 16 years as a pro to lock up his tour card. We've got top 125 talk, Justin Hadley and Justin Rose. We've got Corn Ferry top 25 talk, guys who locked up their tour card. We have so, so much to get to throughout today's show, but we want to start with a local guy, Hayden Wood, who got his first win as a professional on the All-Pro Tour over the weekend, and Hayden is making some time for us this morning, and we certainly appreciate it. Hayden, how you doing? It must feel pretty good to wake up a winner on a Monday morning yeah it feels good thanks you guys for having me uh actually on the road back to kansas for another tournament so uh quick turnaround but you know the game's been good so looking forward to eating it up again for the listeners who don't know i was on the same golf team with hayden for about seven straight years in middle school and high school <laughs> uh, so i know his game really well but were those, hey, were those teams any good those teams weren't any good hey were they? they were pretty they were they were pretty good they you know not great right. you know it's not like we had nick heinen and the likes of griffin pierce the goat and <laughs> hayden wood but anyways we're talking about hayden today and hayden i saw uh an interview that you did after your win and you said that this really solidifies the things uh that you've been doing and the things that you've been working on uh kind of expand on that what are those things um, and, and, and kind of give the listeners uh, a background of, you know, your journey uh, to go all the way up to this win. Uh, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'd have to say, you know, the, one of the, the biggest thing that I've been, you know, working on, uh, I started working with Ryan Rohde about, about two years ago, around today, you know, it's about two years ago today, I started working with him, um, played in the Colorado Open two years ago and just, you know, hit it it's pretty crappy. And I talked to Quay Cummins, a real good friend, um, and friend of the show. And I was like, you know, man, like I'm not hitting it very good. Brody's got you, uh, playing really good. Um, he thinks he'd be a good fit. And he was like, yeah, I mean, give him a call. You and I, I'm, I'm going up there, uh, to see him. Uh, why don't you come with me and we'll check it out. I'm like, awesome. That sounds great. So I got in there for a lesson and he kind of, you know, gave me a few things to work on right then and there. Um, and that's helped me a lot. And I just, over the last couple of years, we've been, you know, just trying to find out who I am as a player and, you know, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And I think, uh, we might be onto a few things and I can't, I can't speak high enough about Ryan. Um, he's, he's helped me so much and he's got quite the stable now of Oklahoma golfers. He's kind of a, the godfather of, of Oklahoma golfer right golfers right now so it's pretty cool to see 
Yeah, Rody, he's got uh, he's got a secret uh, miracle water up there or whatever he's got going. It seems like every student that goes to him automatically gets five strokes better. It doesn't matter um, what skill level they are. You know, Hayden, you, you talked yeah. a lot about kind of what you've done, for example, on the course to, to get your game going. What does this win do for you off the course when it comes to getting status and for Q school and things like that? What, is, what does a win like this do for you uh, to get into events and stuff like that? Um, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, it's not affiliated with the PGA Tour or anything. So, you know, it doesn't get me, you know, in, in a second stage or anything like that, which, I mean, is, which is okay. But, I mean, it really took off. I mean, the check was a nice check, so it took off, you know, a bit of the burden. I think some things that people don't know, you know, just the listeners at home don't know is how expensive pro golf can be. You know, I had to pay a quick five grand earlier last week to sign up for Q school. And so, I mean, that's, when you're playing, you know, when you're playing in third place, you're paying out three grand at a mini tour event. You know, being able to get the win just really kind of helps ease into that chunk you just had to pay to get through Q school. So, I mean, it's good. And but more than anything, you know, playing in all these tournaments and, um, you know, playing with a lot of good players each week, you're teeing it up. You just you kind of see where your game is and you, you know, find out about uh, yourself out on the golf course and, you know, what you need to work on and stuff like that. Yeah, not just a check. You got a big check. That thing was pretty sweet. It's like a long, <laughs> long dream of having the big check like Happy Gilmore. Exactly. It was I, – I wish, I wish I could pull a Happy Gilmore and get one of those big checks every week, you know, get <laughs> you know, 700 bucks with a big check. But uh, I'll, I'll just take this one, that's for sure. So hopefully there's a few more with a trophy, so – but, uh, yeah, I've never – I always wanted one of those big checks because of Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Hayden Woods joining us, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, gets his first win on the APT Tour. You know, last week, Hayden, we had Josh Creel on. We talked to him. We talked to him about his career, about the grind, and about him winning on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he spent a lot of time on the APT Tour. And it's my understanding that you received a phone call from one Mr. Josh Creel. How much can you tell us about what he said and how much that helped you to have a guy who's been in your position reach out to you and kind of give you some motivation on what it takes to get it done? Yeah, it was it was really cool, actually. I mean, I woke up. Um, I was playing at about ten, so I'm I'm up I'm up in bed, uh, just you know, on Instagram and stuff. And I get a call from Creel, and I'm like, yeah, this is kind of weird because Creel and I are, are friends for sure. But it was usually you know we're playing together when there's a big group of guys. Like Creel and I have I don't know if we've ever just played the two of us before out at Oak Tree, but you know we were always we were definitely friends. But uh, I'm a lot closer to you know Blake Trimble and guys like that that are all about the same age because I've just known him longer. So I get a call from Creel, um, and he's like, hey, man, uh, go get him today. Uh, I'm, I'm watching you, and I'm rooting for you. And it, just, it really meant a lot to have, you know, a guy like that who is my friend, but, you know, we're not, even, we're not the best of friends either. Like, we, we just got to know each other over the last few years. And for him to take the time out of his day a week after winning, you know, a corn fairy event. It was really, it was really cool. And it just showed a lot about him. Like who he is. Like, like he's just, he's, he's there for his buddies. And, uh, I think our friendship's definitely going to grow because I mean, that was one of the, that was a really nice thing for him to do. And he definitely didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's a that's a super uh, cool story, Hayden. It just goes to show that golf is really a brotherhood, especially in the state of Oklahoma. Seeing we all kind of got that brotherly love for each other. You know, one question I got yeah, for you, absolutely. Hayden. 
one one question I got for you, my friend, is that you know you're on one of the best college golf teams maybe ever. You had Hovland and uh, Matthew Wolf were, were on that team as well to go along with some other players. Boshu, Ventura, yeah. team was loaded. Uh, Austin yeah. Eckrote. Um, whenever you see players like Hovland and Wolf that you are teammates with get off to success at such a, a rapid a rapid rate, does that give you um, more like pressure as in you want to succeed at a faster rate, or does it give you confidence knowing that you played alongside those guys and that you can be just as good and have just as, as much success as they have had? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll definitely go with uh, what you said second one. It gives you confidence. Um, you know, spending I was with Victor for three years and Matt for two, and, you know, you see the shots that they've hit. So you know what good golf is, and I would say this to any kid, you know, looking to get better you gotta you gotta be with the best players you gotta you gotta be competing all the time um you gotta have thick skin you know if you're getting your butt kicked um don't worry about it because you're not going to get any better if you're the best player all the time um you definitely want to be the best player you definitely want to be the best player in all your tournaments but you know when you're out there practicing with your buddies or playing a you know fun round with your buddies you want to find the best players and, and see what they're doing different because that's what's going to make you better. So I've seen what these guys uh, have done and I've seen how they hit the ball, how they approach things. And it's just, it's really cool um, to see them have so much success so quick. And it, it really is, you know, I knew, like I said, when I started working with Rody that I needed to make a change because I'd seen what Matt had done. You know, he, I've seen him, you know, the whole before become national player of the year. So I've, I've seen the, sh- I had seen the shots he was hitting. And I said to myself, you know, you, you can hit these shots. You know, you, he's never hit a shot that I have never hit, but I'm not doing it quite as often as he is. So I've got to, you know, make a change. And um, so I can hit a few more shots like he does and see if I can, you know, do what he's doing. So I think you definitely have to, uh, look at it from that, you know, in that light. And I think that'll make you better because it's never good to have a, a bad attitude about things. So if you have the right attitude, I mean, you definitely can get a lot out of being with the best, the best players. It's uh, definitely a blessing to have them. And they're very good friends of mine as well. We all, we are all are very good friends on that team. And yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to see them having that kind of success. Absolutely, and Hayden, you know, your dad, Willie Wood, has had a long professional golf career, still going. He played at Southern Hills in the Senior PGA, still plays on the Senior PGA Tour, on the Champions Tour, and I'm sure you've seen by now about 100 times the video of him being notified that you won, reacting to it, saying, yes, proud of you, about time, get that get that win. What has your dad meant to you just throughout your life, throughout your early golf career here uh, as a young adult, and what do you think of the video of his reaction to you getting the win? Uh, I thought it was really, I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he's he's the world to me, uh, especially with my golf. You know, he taught me as a kid, um, and then as I've gotten older, we've kind of it's kind of changed from a you know mentor or a father son role to more a buddy role on the course. You know, we it's less of, you know, him instructing me and it's more of us, you know, playing together and trying to get each other better. Um, we're competing a lot. Uh, when we go play, it, it seems like we're always on the other team. We're never, we're never teaming up because <laughs> that team typically wouldn't be too fair if we're playing, you know, just some guys at the course. So it's usually me against him in a, a team game. 
So we are always competing, but at the end of the day, uh, we love each other so much. So it ends up being a, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fun, pretty fun dynamic for sure. And, uh, just, you know, he's been there every step of the way. I call him, you know, when I'm on the road, he, he talks to me about his rounds when he's on the road. It's, it's a very special, a very, very special relationship. And I mean, I think it goes even farther, um, I mean, I've got – there's a lot of guys I grew up with at Oak Tree, you know, Bob Sway, Scott Verplank, Dr. Gil Morgan. It's just – it's a very – I was a, it was a very unique situation for me growing up. Um, and, I mean, I saw Dr. Gil yesterday. He asked me how, you know, how my game's doing and stuff like that. And got some texts from the other guys at Oak Tree, Brant Job, Scott, Bob. They all congratulated me. It's just – it's a very cool situation um, that I was born into. And um, I can't thank – you know, my dad enough for everything he did. He was, he was a very good, um, it was very good to have him growing up because, you know, you deal with a lot of parents in junior golf that are helicopter dads, you know, they're on their kids rear end about how things went. And the only thing my dad ever got mad at me for on the golf course was acting like an idiot. You know, if I'm throwing clubs, (laughs) he would, he would pull me off the course. Um, but he never got mad at me for three putting or, hitting bad shots. And that's, I think, one thing that I would say that was probably the, the biggest strength and or biggest advantage I had growing up was that he knew, I mean, he was secure enough in himself that, you know, he didn't need me to play good golf for him to feel good. He didn't care. I mean, he wanted me to play good golf. He wanted me to, you know, be happy. But he knew that, you know, junior tournaments didn't really matter, that, you know, if I'm going to be a pro golfer, that's just getting better day in and day out was the most important thing. And I mean, it was, it was awesome. I would, you know, come in at, you know, 12 years old crying about my golf and he'd calm me down. Hey man, it's, 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 it's all right. Like just relax. Whereas, you know, I've seen other kids that, you know, they're beating balls all night to figure it out because they've got a South central section tournament the next day. And just some crazy stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, very common thing to see you know kids overworked by their parents and stuff like that and my dad was was quicker to tell me to you know go have some fun at the pool you know than than to go you know hit a million balls so I mean just growing up with him and like like I said the other guys out at Oak Tree it was just a very cool way to grow up um it was very different than what happened with most other kids but a lot of the kids out at Oak Tree now uh get to enjoy some of that same uh, advantage that I had. I mean, there's a lot more kids out there now, and it's, it's not uncommon for Bob's way to be talking to a group of 12-year-olds on the putting green, which to have a, a major champion, a lot of kids are, you know, paying to go hear what he has to say. So for them, you know, or to get a chipping lesson from Scott Verplank, a rider cupboard. Uh, it's, a, it's a very cool atmosphere out there, and um, – the kids that get to play out there are very lucky, and I think Oklahoma is lucky to have all these guys um, representing the state. Yeah, that's a lot of really good stuff there, Hayden. And I tell you what, one of the things that – because one thing that we share in common is that our, our father got us started in the game. And I remember one of the days – I could probably tell you almost every shot that happened from the first round that I beat my dad at golf. Can you remember the first time that you were able to beat Willie on the golf course? <laughs> uh, from the same piece, I think I was 15, and I, I – it was after school one day we played nine holes and I, I shot like one or two under and beat him by a shot. And he said, you know, that doesn't count. 
uh, <laughs> it, it, only, it, counts, it only counts if you do it on 18 holes. And then I was 15, so I was, you know, like, you know, yeah, Dad, screw you. You know, I beat you. You know, I didn't. like, no, it doesn't count unless it's an 18-hole thing. So it was, it was right around, you know, 15 because I started to get a little bigger and stronger, and then that's when we started playing from the same tee box. Um, so it was, it was right around there, but uh, it's pretty funny now. I hit it quite a bit farther than him now. You know, I'm 25, he's 60, and uh, I'm a little bigger and stronger. So I, I hit it about probably 50 or 60 by him. And we played in Arizona uh, this, this winter, and we we're just playing a quick nine holes, just, you know, late in the day. We had practice that day. Um, and he buried the first six holes. Like, he's, I'm, I'm hitting driver sandwich in these holes. You know, I'm, I'll maybe make a couple birdies. And he buries the first six. He's hitting hybrids into these greens. And we're playing all, we're playing all the way back. You know, it's a 230-yard par three. He's hitting hybrid, making birdie. I'm hitting, you know, a five, six iron, or four or five iron in, and I'm making par. And he, I say to him, I said, well, it's a good thing we don't have any money on this, on this match, isn't it? Or, or you'd be winning. And he got so mad. I mean, he, he started laughing because, I mean, we were just having a hell of a time. But it was pretty funny. We, we're, we're, not, we're not afraid to, to give each other little jabs, but it's, we love each other so much. It's always uh, out, of, just out of fun to do. That's so uh, That's- it, it, it's a very cool dynamic, and I'm so blessed to have him. Um, with me and, you know, to, to have grown up the way that I did. That's great stuff. I, I'm glad you're giving the listeners that because Willie is one of the greatest guys on the planet. And Hayden, I'm looking at your stats here, uh, and you're fourth on the money list, 24 birdies this week. Um, but everyone talks about learning how to win. Kind of explain to me that process and what it has meant for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I never won college, um, like you guys said i was with some pretty good guys uh they were busy winning all the tournaments so i never got a win in college i'd won in high school won uh, a couple amber uh, tournaments um but one of the main things that i've been working on um was just you know just uh kind of letting the percentages play out so i'm gonna play golf you know a certain way i'm not gonna shoot at flags i'm not i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing um, and at the end of the tournament, we're just gonna we're just gonna add them up and see how it falls. We're not I'm not gonna do anything different because of um, where I stand in the, in the tournament or where someone else is. Like I'm just gonna play golf the way you know, use the same course management that I've been using the whole week, and that's kind of what I did. I've had I finished second um, in Shawnee earlier this spring, and that's kind of that was the first tournament that I actually did kind of that. I used that uh, type of course management. I started working with Scott Fawcett, um, talked to him. You know, I was, I was getting in my way a lot uh, earlier this year. And, you know, make, I missed a cut at a tournament that I felt like I was playing pretty good at, and I figured some, something isn't quite right. I'm not doing something quite right. So we talked to him about – I talked to him about my course management, and he also – I mean, he took a, a big, much deeper dive into my, uh, my on-course psychology and, you know, just – talking to him just letting the letting the tournament play itself out um not trying to attack just you know obviously you know when i've got a wedge in my hand and it's a it's a go flag i'm i'm confident that i'm gonna hit it close but you know it's kind of that money ball type uh type 
psychology. You know, we're just going to play by the numbers. We're going to let things take care of themselves. You know, you don't really have control of where the ball is going. You just have control of your thoughts. So I'm just trying to do that, just trying to give myself, you know, a lot of looks. And we're going to let, you know, the putter gets hot. Things will go pretty good. And so that was kind of my thing there. I just, you know, just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and I took care of business at the end of that tournament. So it was, it was good to see that pay off. Like I said, during the tournament, I'm not really looking at leaderboards. I'm not doing anything different than I did the three days prior. I'm just trying to run my race, and if I'm ahead at the end of the race, then then I'm going to go home happy. But, uh, you know, you can only control what you're doing, so I'm not worried about what other guys are doing. I'm just trying to play my game and let let it take care of it. Hayden, I'm not sure if you're aware, but this past week, I got my first puppy named Piper. And for the listeners who don't know, Hayden Wood and Willie Wood have the most legendary dog of all time. His name is Sam the Dog. I think there should be a statue built at Oak Tree National because this dog is so cool, so nice, and so fun. Uh, Hayden, any any advice for the puppy? Well, I'll say, so the story goes, I, I got him uh, for my birthday in fifth grade he's a golden retriever um and luckily enough my dad shouldn't say luckily enough but it turned it worked out for us my dad had just had shoulder surgery right when we got him so he wasn't playing he wasn't on the road much and I, I, as a pro golfer his job is to go to the course so he would take him out i'd be at school my dad would take him out to the golf course every day as a as a you know, three-month-old puppy he's just on the leash just laying on the putting green. Of course, it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty dead, you know, on a Tuesday morning. Everyone's at work. But my dad, that being his job, he's out there. And so he'd bring out the dog. So eventually the leash started coming off. So he'd, he'd ride in the cart. My dad would let him off the leash. He'd kind of just wag his tail, um, you know, kind of sniff around. And as he got older, I mean, that dog, just kind of roams the oak tree. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. There, there have been multiple times where we've been on the course. You know, he's getting in ponds, chasing squirrels, doing all this stuff, and we'll lose him. And finish. We'll finish. We'll finish our round. I'll drive drive back to our house. Uh, uh, my I, my dad lives in Oak Tree, and he'll be sitting under the portico waiting on us. It's the. <laughs> it is the fun. It is the funniest thing. He'll be covered in mud. You know, because he's been in the pond, and we'll drive up. He'll see us start wagging his tail, and he'll come over to us. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. And I'd say the, the one of the, another funny thing about him is he knows that he can grab rain balls, but he, and he also knows that he can't grab balls on the putting green or on the golf course. <laughs> so there's there's been quite a few other dogs that have you know we've seen they've seen how well Sam does out there, and they brought their dog you know the guys have brought their dogs out there, but you know these dogs are are grabbing these balls off the putting green and it kind of becomes a disaster. But Sam knows he can only grab balls on the chipping green and on the driving range. And uh, he doesn't, he doesn't have a taste for pro V ones. He, he just likes the NXTs that are on the range. So uh, <laughs> it, it's a pretty, it's pretty cool. He's kind of become, you know, kind of the Oak tree mascot, you know, the bag boys all know him. Uh, all the members know him. And it's, it's pretty funny. People know not, you know, when they see a golden retriever running around, just let him go because he's not lost that's for sure he's doing what he wants to do 
it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing. So the only advice I could give you, man, is to spend as much time as possible uh, with your new puppy because these are the formative, you know, for a dog, they're not the formative years, they're the formative weeks or months. So you just got to get that dog uh, familiar with, you know, the out, outside outside of the house, you know, at the golf course, off a leash, and it, uh, it'll be a best friend for you for the rest of his life. And you didn't mention that Sam knows where to stand while people are hitting, too. That that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how you guys trained yeah. him to do that. He got hit by a ball once. I bladed like a three wood. <laughs> I was like I was I was like four I was like fourteen. Like he tried to like catch it and it hit him like right on the nose and oh. I guess instead of knocking sense out of him, I guess it knocked a little sense into him to not stand in front of you. So I mean he's a he's a pretty smart dog, so he he does not get in front of you and he knows it's pretty cool. He's never like walked into a, a backswing you know what i mean like he's always walking yeah. around but he's never he knows to stand far enough away to where he won't get hit by the club at any time it's it's pretty impressive <laughs> that's unbelievable <laughs> yep. such a smart such such smart animal and good name sam too that's, that must be why you like it so much sam <laughs> yeah hayden used to say that i'm his second favorite sam nice nice oh uh, yeah that, I, I used to love i used to love saying that to sam i mean it's, it's pretty it's pretty funny that dog he's He's the sweetest dog of all time. He, uh, he, I took him to college with me. Uh, my dad would be out on the road, so I'd, I'd take him up to Stillwater. And uh, he's been out to Carson before. He, I, I got a little nervous, you know. I've never seen any like bobcats or coyotes or anything out at Carson, but we've definitely heard, you know, some some tall tales about you know the wild animals lingering out there. So he's been out to Carson a couple times, um, but uh, it was pretty funny. One time I was out with some buddies in Stillwater and I get a call from my dad. He's out on the road at like 1245 in the morning. And he's like, Hey, you know where your dog is? I'm like, yeah, he's in the backyard at, in Stillwater. He's like, no, I just got a call from uh, someone that he's, that he got out. So I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So I've, you know, I've had a couple pops, so I'm, <laughs> I'm freaking out. I've had, I've had a few, few beers. And so we, I go over to this house. My dad texts me the address and, they're like, no, I mean, is it okay if he stays? Like, we really like having him. Like, no, I'll take him home, but I appreciate it. Like, he just, he's got a, he's got a great personality, and he, uh, he's, he's very uh, easy to become friends with. So there's been a couple times, you know, where he's gotten out, and he's just made friends with whoever he bumps into. He just, his tail's always wagging, and he's, he's a very lovable dog. So I'm very lucky. Uh, he's 14 years old, so, you know, we're hoping to get a few more years out of him. He still goes still goes to the golf course in the morning before it gets too hot but uh uh it's it's been quite the run with him he's uh he's definitely been a best friend to me growing up and uh he'll, he'll definitely be uh hard to replace that's for sure he's irreplaceable just the amount of good times we've had uh, a lot of people say it doesn't matter you know a kid a kid better start playing golf every single day when he's about six until he's about 70 to run as many as uh, miles as Sam has on the golf course. It's uh, he, he grew up at Oak Tree, and uh, like Sam was saying, he's kind of become the mascot of the club. That's awesome. If there's one thing this podcast needs more of, it's dog talk. We always need more <laughs> dog talk. Hayden, congrats on the big win. We appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Wish you all the best of luck this week in Q School and moving forward. We'll catch up with you down the road. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Y'all have a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Hayden.
That's Hayden Wood joining us this morning on the 73rd hole. So gracious with his time. Some great stories there about his dad, about his dog, uh, and about him making his way up in the mini tour ranks. Gets his first win over the weekend. Happy to see him having success. One of those guys who was on that loaded Oklahoma State team in 2018 that won the national championship. We still have so much to get to in today's show. We haven't talked about Kevin Kisner yet. We've got the USAM. I kind of have a little bit of a hot take about the USAM. We're going to get into that on the the other side so so much still to get into stay with us here on the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mccrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything they have to offer. And make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at the 73rd hole. Instagram, 73rd hole. Wherever you're listening to the podcast today, do it right now. If you don't do it right now, you're going to forget. Rate, subscribe to the podcast. That helps us out a ton. And we would love to know what you all think about what we're doing here on the 73rd hole. Having a fun summer. FedEx Cup playoffs right around the corner. And Kevin Kisner has leapt into the top 30 in the standings. Uh, as long as he can continue to play well, he'll have a spot at Eastlake. And he did it by virtue of winning his first playoff in his PGA Tour career. He was 0-5 leading up to yesterday's playoff. And of course, the one that he finally wins is not him and one other guy. It's a six-man playoff that should have been a seven-man playoff if Henley doesn't go full choke mode on 18 with the three-putt from the back fringe. Uh, a ball that, if it doesn't get to the back fringe, could easily roll back down to about eight feet. It was, I mean, the back nine yesterday at, at points, there were 10 different guys with five holes left who could have won the golf tournament. Six of them wind up in a playoff. It was one of the more electric finishes in a while. That was one of the most electric finishes all year, Colby. I, I, and not just with the Kisner ending, I think it was amazing to watch, you know, Henley obviously with the three putt, but Kisner made a clutch putt on 18 to get into the playoff. You had Brandon Grace who hit, oh. you know, amazing Grace from 30 feet and then Henley three putts right after. It's like the Mongolian reversals of all Mongolian <laughs> reversals. Uh, and then to have Adam Scott, you know, I, I totally agreed with Faldo on what Faldo said uh, when Adam Scott missed that four-footer. You know, he said that he took, you know, he already had to wait 10 minutes because there's six guys in this playoff. And then you go ahead and you, 
use your greens book and read the putt yourself when he could have gotten a line uh, from Siwoo Kim. I didn't understand any of that. I think that uh, I think that Adam Scott psyched himself out a little bit on that four foot putt, and I don't know if you guys saw the same thing, but I thought that that ending was absolutely electric, and I'm happy for Kevin Kisner, and I hope that uh, you know. Steve Stricker is looking at him for the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to go get into with the Wyndham Championship, which you wouldn't think would be said, but, I mean, with the top 125 coming down the way it did. And one thing that I noticed, obviously, the six-man playoff, it tied for the most ever. Should have had Russell Henley in there, but he, like you said, Colby choked really bad. I thought it was very fascinating. You see on the first playoff hole, you have six of the best players in the world. All six of them make pars in a very different way. And it just goes to show that that's the brilliance of golf, in yep. my opinion. Is that No pictures on a scorecard, right? No, there's not. And, you know, the thing, that when I'm watching the coverage, the thing that got me was that if they would have shown the above camera angle of Scott's putt instead of the one from the side, which is basically of him on, on his feet, I, I would have known he was missing the putt. I could You could have t- known that he was lined up left of the hole. Like, that putt didn't break right. I don't know what in his greens book that he read that he and, saw. And Siwoo just hit it. Siwoo started yeah. left center and it moved like half an And inch. Adam Scott didn't even try to get behind him and see anything that that putt did. He was standing directly yeah, he was like 40 feet away. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, by the way, real quick, I mentioned the three putt from Henley. Henley lost 3.17 shots on the field putting in round four. Uh, and people forget that he missed that two-foot putt on 11 uh, that would have given him the victory as well. Yeah, I mean, and he's the only one who put it worse on Sunday was my boy Webb, who had minus uh, 2.45, who I had in the one and done. And, you know, you think, guys, oh, hey, I, I missed out on a playoff by one stroke. That's going to be fine. He finished seventh. How do you miss a playoff by one and finish seventh? Well, I, I mean, te- come on. I texted y'all yesterday. <laughs> Can you imagine how sick to the stomach anybody who was holding a Russell Henley top five bet was? Oh, man. I mean, a Russell Henley top five bet. He, le- he leaves the tournament all week. He's got a chance from the back fringe to win it in regulation, and then he misses the comebacker, and instead of being in the what would have been a seven-way playoff, assuring himself of at least a T2, he finishes T7, and you don't cash your top five on Russell Henley. He... He's played some good golf, but he is really struggling to close golf tournaments. I, I visually see him putting too much pressure on himself. A hundred percent. He the the whole back nine. He looked tight. Yeah, I mean, he looked like he he was wound up uh, like a top. He was yeah. And, and that putt struggling. on eighteen, I don't think that he was really trying to go for that and make that. I think that putt went off in his hands. He knows that's he fast, and and it, and it just kind of went off in his hands. And then you know. It, by the way, I didn't like the fact uh, that Tyler McCumber went ahead and finished out his two-and-a-half-footer, even though he was inside Henley's that was like three-and-a-half feet. And, and it, I think it made Henley wait another two minutes or so to think about that putt. And it's ironic that we kind of had the same thing with Adam Scott in the playoff. But I was saying right when it happened, you know, McCumber goes, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish out, uh, and made Henley wait another extra at least minute or two. I think that's tough because if, if he doesn't finish out, then it's like – should he have just gone ahead and gotten out of the way? No, but it, it's not getting out of the way because that putt wasn't to win. That putt yeah. was to get in the playoff. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, it's not like the crowd would have gone nuts if Henley yeah. made that putt. Yeah, I don't I don't think that was like premeditated no, by McCumber. No, no, I don't. He was just trying to finish, I but, don't, it, but it might have worked against Henley. I, I think it just worked against Henley. I'm not trying to say that there was any ill will or anything. I think right. that you know it could have just been done differently. If I was Henley, I would have preferred uh, that – Tyler McCumber just marked that ball. So, speaking of consequential three putts on the 18th green, how about in regulation when Justin Rose steps up to putt for birdie? Can't get it down in two, so he three putts, 
And what that does is takes him outside the top 125 and gets Chesson Hadley in at 125, which I was actually a huge fan of because Chesson Hadley, he had the hole-in-one yesterday, first hole-in-one of his life, 34 years old. He's played professional golf for 13 years. First hole-in-one of his life. He breaks down in the interview with Amanda Balionis, talking about how much he cares and stuff. It was really awesome. And he needed 125 to keep his card. Justin Rose doesn't need 125 to keep his card. He did to get in the playoffs. He did to get in the playoffs, but, you know, Justin Rose wasn't going to make noise in the playoffs anyway. He was going to play at the Northern Trust and then be done. But I I thought it was was cool the way it worked out for Chesson Hadley with the hole-in-one, with the Sunday 62, to get in exactly at 125. But it also shows that throughout the season, you know, there will be events where a guy is trying to get out of somebody's way on 18, and he rushes a three-footer or something. One point? Over the course of the entire season, one FedEx Cup point was the difference between 125 and 126, and it's a big difference between those two places. So, I mean, throughout the season, it really does. Every point matters. Yeah, yep. I, when you look at it, Justin Rose, he was tied for the lead at one point on Sunday. I mean, he, he went from winning the tournament to finishing tied 10th and not even getting to play I next said he week. Was, after nine holes, I said he was my favorite, and then he just had an atrocious back nine where you know he was dominating the field uh, in strokes game putting and approach on the day. Uh, and, and you know, coming down the stretch, his strokes gained approach, he, he actually ended up losing .64 on the round, and he shot three under in that final round. So Justin Rose didn't have a good final round uh, at all. And then uh, the other guy that I wanted to talk about that we didn't even mention who had a putt to win this is Richard Sloan. You know, he had that about... Richard eight- or Roger? Roger. <laughs> what did I say? Richard? Richard. Oh, I meant Roger. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, and, and, no, Roger Sloan. Uh, and he had that, what, nine-footer to win? Or that would have won because Adam, Adam Scott, Scott was, still, was still to putt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he, he was lined up perfect and just yanked it a little bit. Missed you could tell that was side. low the whole way. Uh, so it, people forget that Roger Sloan could have easily won that tournament as well. Yeah, and it would have been a huge win for his career. It's And, again, it just shows you how much pressure there is to win PGA Tour events. 15 under should not have won that golf tournament. Somebody on that back nine should have been able to push it out to 16, 17, 18, especially as easy as holes 15 and 16 were playing. Nobody could. And then in the playoff, Sloan had the mid-range putt. Scott had the short putt. I think um, the, maybe the shot of the playoff. There Gra- were t- Grace had a mid-range putt in the second playoff hole, and it, right. it's hard to win. The shot of the playoff for me was the Kisner 30-yard shot after he totally chunked the six uh, iron up there, hit it up, almost went in the hole. He missed it by a matter of it. inches. And, and that great shot by Siwoo to get to the second playoff hole. I mean, that flop shot that he hit, that was ridiculous. From the back of the green, that was nuts. How about yeah. Kevin Nall playing both playoff holes horribly and then holding 15-footers for par both times? <laughs> don't, don't even get me started. I, I I cannot stand watching Kevin not play golf. God, it pisses me off let me, so let bad. Let me ask you this, Taylor. How, I cannot stand it. How did you feel about the 20-footer for Eagle he made on 15 that he was halfway to the hole before it dropped? And it looked like it was going to miss right the whole way, too, and then all of a sudden it just <laughs> buries in on that right. God, I can't, I can't stand it. Kevin Nall's that I, guy that you would hate to play match play, just that annoying little guy that just gets under your skin. How about his swing on 18? Not but in regulation. They go, hold on for dear life because I'm going to hit it 80 <laughs> yards right, and that's exactly what he did and he was able to have 230 in and made par i mean yes it was bad to I'm, I'm just glad he didn't win because yeah, I was uh, not rooting for Kevin Nall. How about when Brandon Grace duck hooked it, hit a tree, came right back in the middle of the fairway, oh, like yeah. 200 yards out? Yeah, that was nice. I, I also love that the um, um, Brandon Grace had an eagle putt on 15, and the announcers were like, "Oh, if he makes it, it's, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. If he makes it, he missed it. 
Birdie's two in the next three holes is in the playoff anyway. So right. good, good call, yeah. Nance. Well, because 16 was playing super easy. 17 was fine. 18 was playing tough. 18 I, was a tough birdie. One yeah. thing about 17. There were only eight birdies all day on that yeah, hole. It was and tough. Brandon, Brandon Grace made one of them. You, you brought up your boy Justin Rose, and we bring up 18. He, he didn't birdie the par five, 15, and he missed like a seven-footer on 17 yeah. for birdie two. So it's not like there was just one putt where Rose had a chance. He he definitely, the last four holes or five holes because he bogeyed 14, he, he he had a little bit of choke going on there, kind of like Russell that was did too. Justin Rose was the sneaky choke. Pretty tournament. damaging for the claw brand. Yeah, it was. Pretty damaging. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 126, was. you're putting with the claw, you finish 126? Come on, Justin, step it up. Maybe Henley, Henley, you know, on his yardage book has, I'm the best putter in the world. Well, I beg to differ. Yeah. I, and <laughs> I think Kevin Kisner is one of the best putters in the world. I don't think Russell Henley has the nerve in him, you know, seeing that putt on 11 and then the putt on 18. I, I think to be the best putter in the world, Russell Henley, you know, maybe you need to, uh, you know, get get under more pressure more often. What about the putt on eleven? Let, let's talk about that for a second. Oh, I do. Well, we want to talk about the putt on eleven. I don't want to have to revisualize it. They said it was two feet, like four. They, was it was I it over two feet? I it didn't they, look I like. I think it. they said shot link had it at two feet two inches. All right, here we go. I, I got shot, I got it right here. I got to scroll <laughs> sure. down to T seven because I mean, that's where Henley finished. Two so. feet two inches is like a ninety nine. God, I got to scroll two. Yep, two feet two inches. There you go. That's that's got to be ninety nine percent amongst pros, right? Yes. Three, three feet's ninety five. Yeah, two two feet's ninety nine percent. Ninety nine percent. That's amongst yikes. all pros, not including Russell Henley on the and back, Bill Zalatoris. On the back yeah. nine with a lead is, <laughs> yeah. On the back nine with a lead is brutal. That's funny. Okay, so I want to get to something you mentioned earlier because one thing that I thought uh, was going around Twitter yesterday that I totally disagreed with was the idea that Kevin Kisner should be a captain's pick for the Ryder Cup. I'm, okay. I'm all the way out on it. Okay. So. Let's just play a game. I've got the standings pulled up. These are the non-automatic qualifiers, and I want you to tell me if you'd take this guy or Kisner. Would you take Spieth or Kisner? Spieth. Tyler? Spieth. Spieth? Absolutely. Okay, so there's Spieth or Kisner. I guarantee I'm on the same track as you are, Uh English or Kisner? English. Kisner. You take Kisner over no English? No way, yeah. dude. English has been balling, bro. I, I know he's been playing good golf, but under the gun and match play, I'm taking Kisner. Reed or Kisner? Reed. Kisner. Okay, so we're split, and that's one that I would actually say Kisner because I don't want Reed in the room. So we'll say, but Reed and Kisner, we, we were split two one on English, and we were split two one on Reed. So I'll give us one of those. Yeah, we'll he, count them as one. Here's my deal: is Reed and Kisner play the same game, except Reed plays it a little better. Uh, yeah, he trashes the locker room though. But okay, I agree so with that. Anyway. But so, so we're you only, But everyone always talks about the locker room with the Ryder Cup. It's important. But it's not the most important thing because technically he could spend, you know, every single against, every sorry. single round with one with one guy. Yeah, it is I, against the Europeans, and then it's singles. I'm he, taking. You don't want Patrick Reed in singles. That guy's a killer. I've the, seen the, it enough the, with Patrick. The Reed. two times this decade or this millennium that the U.S. has won the Ryder Cup, 2008, 2016. What were the two main things they had in common? The teams were on the same page. U.S. and every player was on the same page with each other. I agree. I, I think the locker room is extremely important. So Bur- I think that's where we disagree. Burger or Kisner? Burger, 100%. Kisner. Burger, y'all are split. I'm, I would go uh, I would go Burger on that one. Cantlay or, Cantlay or Kisner? Cantlay. Cantlay. Go Cantlay. Finau or Kisner? Ooh, that's tough. Because Finau, Finau. hasn't been playing very good. I'd probably go Finau. I, I don't know, though. It, it depends on what you want. Like, are you are you talking about for best ball, or are you talking about for singles? I mean, it's all what? of it. It's the, the whole format. I guess one thing we have to – I, 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 take... I don't know how many automatic qualifiers I've already said because I can't say, oh, yeah, I'll give it to him, and then we got 15 members on I the would, team. Well, I would take so, Kisner in here, singles, me... and I would take 
Finau in you know four ball. Or if, if we if shot. we say yes on Finau, that gets us. I to don't 10. know. No, see, if we say yes on Finau, it gets us to ten. I <sighs> I could just pull up the that's, rankings. That's that's fifty fifty for me. Okay. I think you could flip a coin and you'd be fine either way. Okay, uh, Kisner or Webb. 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 Yeah, I'd go Webb. Kisner or Scheffler. Scheffler. Kisner. More experience. I think I'd go Scheffler. Uh, Kisner or Kokrak? Probably Kisner. Kisner. I think I might lean Kokrak, but I think that one's pretty close. Uh, Kisner or Horschel? Oh, definitely Kisner. Kisner. Yeah, I'd go Kisner. Uh, Kisner or Burns? Definitely Kisner. Kisner. I'd go Kisner. Kisner or Phil? Phil. That's a tough one. Phil. It's the same thing. He just has that it factor. Phil does. It's the same reason why I'm taking Kisner over guys like Berger. It's the same reason why I would take Phil over Kisner. Tyler Kisner or Phil? Here's a question. Ah, God, I'd probably have to go Kisner just because Phil's playing so bad. What about down at 22? You picking Zyla Torres? I, I was getting down there. So the other guys that are, are here that I was going to ask. No, no, no one else. Not 20, chance, I'm not, I'm not Homa, picking 20. Nah, Zyla Torres. I'm not picking Not Homa, a nah. chance I would pick Zyla Torres over Kisner. I'm not especially in match play. Dude, they're not going to give him a putt. I'm not ta- I wouldn't take Zyla Torres. Well, I mean, Lee Westwood's been a pretty good Ryder Cup player, and he's not he that has. much better of a putter. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it, you know. It can be done. I just... I think that Kisner is on the bubble, but I think that you'd have to leave out. I mean, you'd you'd almost have to leave out an English, a burger, a Cantlay, a Finau wet. You'd have to leave one of those guys out to make room for him. I think the argument is between like Kisner, Phil, Scheffler, Kokrak. I think, and I think you're only going to be able to get one of those four in. So I I don't know. It's going to be close, but Kisner, man, he won yesterday. He's only got three top 20s on the season. And let's factor in the course to this, too. Whistling straights. Yep. So, you know, that might hurt Kisner a little bit. I mean, three top 20s on the entire season. The win now is nice. And maybe maybe he's peaking, and the captain's picks aren't being made today. If Kisner goes out and wins a playoff event, I'll feel differently. I will feel differently. But three top 20s on the season, I don't know that I can let one win at the Wyndham with a 260 strength of field overshadow the fact that he really hasn't had that great of a year. All right, so so I'm looking at it right here. We got we got the six automatic qualifiers. So we got Morikawa, DJ, Deschambeau, Kepka, JT, Shoffley. No one's gonna have an argument with those six. No. They're six best players in the world. I got the, the six I'm going with here after this. We're going with Spieth one, English two, Berger three, Cantlay four, and then I'm going I'm gonna pick two of the three based on what happens in the playoffs. I'm either going Finau, Webb, Scheffler, two of the three from that. I, th- I think those guys are are head and shoulders not head and shoulders above Kisner, but I would definitely pick. Kisner's would probably be my fourteenth pick if I had to pick one, and I'm definitely and I'm completely throwing Reed out at nine. So I mean, he might even be worse than that if I want to throw in Reed in there, who's actually a better player, but is just completely toxic when it comes to off the course. Yeah, that's. I think you and I personally are both on the leave Reed out train and just see how it goes. I mean, Reed's been there; we know how it goes. Leave him out and see how it goes. Well, it's not like he won recently. He he hasn't had a the last time he had a, a top twenty was at the U.S. Open. He finished nineteenth. Well, I mean, he hasn't been playing say, that good. He, he hasn't been playing well, but that's the playoffs are so important to who gets picked in the Ryder Cup because if somebody gets really hot the next few weeks. I mean, it's going to be hard for Stricker to leave a guy off who's really hot. Let's let's say one of these guys, uh, let's say Finau, Webb, Scheffler, Reed, Kisner. Let's say one of those guys goes out in the playoffs and has a T12, a T4, and a win. It'd be really hard to leave the guy off the team if he plays like that in the playoffs. Uh, here's a question. If Phil has a top five in a playoff event, does that mean you got to pick him? It helps. It I don't really know, helps. Man. It helps. I, 
It'd be you so tough to pick Phil because I know, I know but he's so wins. Oh, oh no, Zalatoris ain't even in the playoffs. Zalatoris is not invited to the playoffs. So I just what a not, joke! Not, not a PGA Tour member, fellas. You don't get to play if it's you're not such a member. A joke. But uh, my my list would be those top six. It'd be Spieth. I put English in there. I'm gonna go Reed, Cantlay, uh, and then I'm gonna go Webb Simpson and. I'm gonna go. Bro, no, how can you, uh, Sam? Seriously, seriously, how can you not pick I'm, Berger? I know he burned you on DraftKings. I don't. I don't. Berger tru- has a, such a solid game. You're telling me you trust Berger more than Webb Simpson? Hundred percent, absolutely. Okay, no, I just such disagree. a better player I, right now. I'd pick Berger over Webb. Berger's had a better year than Webb. Okay, then throw Berger. Then it's between Webb and Kisner. Then you pick Webb. Probably. I agree. And, Probably. And that's leaving out Finau. I, I would I, not want to be this. Steve Stricker hey, here, right now. Here's, it's always a Berger's, tough job, but it's real tough this year. Here's Berger's finishes. Uh, T5, WGC, T8 at the Open, T7th at the British Show or at the U.S. Open, T20, T3rd at the Byron Nelson, um, T9th all the way back at the I Players, think, one at Pebble Beach. I mean, that's just a great year. You cannot leave Berger off the I team. understand, you but it. you just have to factor in that it factor in match play. He's got it, the it factor. He doesn't, though. He's, I, I want to see Berger. Events. I want to see Berger in the Ryder Cup. I want to see Berger in the Ryder Cup. I think, and again, it comes down to what happens in the playoffs. If Kisner wins another event, I mean, obviously we're going to have a different conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, I think we all agree Horschel's not really uh, a guy to look out for. He's not going to be a captain's pick. He's playing I don't Hors- think Scott match play. Well, Horschel has had a good history in the playoffs, though. So, I mean, if, Chef, he, if, he, he, if he plays good He's the next really couple He's been really good weeks. at Eastlake, too. Yeah. 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 I think, except, with the exception of last year, he finished 30th. I think yeah. that Scheffler his game could be really beneficial at whistling straight. So I think yeah. that he's definitely a guy that could play his way in. Uh, maybe same way with Kokrak. I mean, Kokrak just <sighs> stepping up and ball striking whistling straights I, to death. No, I, mean, I don't, I wouldn't take Kokrak over Finau or Webb or Kisner. Yeah, Finau and Kokrak are so similar. It, it's tough. Because realistically, realistically, Kisner is out. It, it's tough though, because Kokrak yeah, yeah. shouldn't be in unless he plays good the next couple weeks. Yeah. Kokrak's been better this year. I mean, Kokrak's got a couple of wins this year, but Finau's been better over the long term. Finau's been pretty good in team competition. I don't know. I, I, I struggle between, you know, does Kokrak deserve it for the year that he's had? But it more goes into it than that. There's yeah. a lot to still be determined it, in the playoffs. And I just want to say, like, when I was saying Kisner over English, I'm talking about match play. If you had one guy to put up against, you know, and not be scared, put up against the Europeans and not be scared, I think that I would put Kisner over English. But that's not realistic because English is definitely going to be on the team. Yeah, I mean, English will definitely be on the team. It's... I don't know. I mean, I do like Kisner's it factor, but Kisner has, I mean, he has weeks where he just can't strike the ball. I mean, even last week, he, he wanted the win in this Yeah, I week. mean, he's talked about it. He said he only plays at Torrey because they still give a check if right. you make the cut. Right. I mean, last week, he was, I believe over the course of four rounds, he was a minus 13 strokes gain ball striking. Yeah. I mean, that's off the tee around the green and uh, approach the green. And then he comes out this so week whistling, and wins. Whistling so, straights, what, what would you guys say about that? About Kisner there? Just about, just about just about anybody that like what what would you guys be looking for whistling straights? Well, you have to add in the dynamic of kind of like you said, Sam. You know what do you look at for a match play player? Like you said, you don't want to play Kevin Non match. No, play. no, no, you know, no. But, just oh. course wise. Oh, oh, course wise. Oh, you're going to look at as similar to what you see when the U.S. sets up. You're going to see wide fairways, which whistling straights has, and most Pete Dye courses have. You'll you'll see wide fairways. There'll be obviously the the bunker penalty area, whatever you want to call it, outside of it. I think the greens will be. 
honestly as fast as they can make them because the, Euro- because the Europeans kind of like the little slower greens. So I expect really fast greens. How firm they get the course will be interesting because Europeans can be more likely to play Lynx style, which Whistling Straits can be a quote-unquote Lynx course if they burn it up. So I, th- I think you'll see a wide fairway, softer course, but greens super fast. So I think someone like uh, like we mentioned, so, Coke or Fino, I think yeah, are so great Fino, fits for that course. That's what I was going to say is that sets up great for Fino. Yeah, I think it kind of does. I, I just know I'm looking Looking forward to kicking back, watching the Ryder Cup, and enjoying a clubby. The clubby is a more drinkable version of the Oklahoma staple, the club special. The official seltzer of slicing limes, not swings, lemon and lime natural flavoring. It has electrolytes, does not contain artificial flavors. Perfect for a hot day on or off the golf course. Specifically formulated for golfers of every handicap. Make shooting anything over 110 bearable. The freshest, smoothest, leanest, greenest, number one seltzer in golf. Everybody go get yourself a clubby. Uh, all right, fellas, Corn Ferry Tour. It was a big week on the Corn Ferry Tour as we're looking for guys to earn their PGA Tour cards. And David Skins goes out and gets the win. David Skins has a phenomenal story. He is 39 years old. He has played professional golf for 16 years with very little success to show for it. He's done just enough to be able to continue to play professional golf. Actually, during the COVID break, he drove DoorDash full-time uh, so that his wife could work full-time. He, actually, he, he also watched the kids while he was on COVID break. This is a guy who has been a journeyman, a grinder for a long, long time. These are the stories that make you feel good about what happens at, uh, at, at levels of golf that aren't the PGA Tour. And seeing him get emotional, standing in the tent by himself, hand over his, his, his eyes. I mean, you could tell what it meant to him to lock up that PGA Tour card. And he moves from 46 to 22 to do it. And it's just, I mean, you talk about a good time to get your first win david skins with just an all-timer of a first win on the corn Ferry tour awesome awesome stuff no joke how clutch is that to lock it up before those finals and not have to grind at i mean obviously he still wants to better his status but not have to worry about not having any pga tour card in those corn Ferry finals i'm i'm, I'm gonna list off some of the uh notables here who were in the top 25 yet steven yeager who obviously uh was first on the list and then coming down here and mito Pereira was second. Then coming down the list here, people forget Will Zalatoris is in the top 25 on the Corn Ferry Tour, so he will have a PGA Tour card next year. Yay! Just not this year. Can't, <laughs> Yay, can't play in the FedEx yep. Cup playoffs this year. Is he going to go play in the Corn Ferry playoffs just for fun? <laughs> he he might. He, he might have to to up his status. I, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, Willie Z will be fine. It's He yes. will get, you know, whatever ex- – can can a PGA Tour member get a sponsor's exemption into a bigger tournament? Uh great question. I don't a even great, know. I don't under, I don't know the logistics of all of it. It's a complicated system. I, I would the assume, sponsor's exemption system I would assume is they complicated. Could. I would assume they could. I would think so. If you couldn't get in, like if he couldn't get in, you know, uh, what's a big tournament the, memorial. The, the exception yeah. would be WGCs and majors because yeah, obviously right, they obviously. have specific criteria you uh, have to meet. And then Davis Riley Except the PGA Championship, or, or, I guess. Or, or Specifically, top 125 this week. Yep. 126 right. isn't getting in no matter how many people withdraw. Right. Yep. Uh, Davis Riley, a guy that I grew up playing golf with, went to Alabama from Mississippi. Really happy for Davis. Well, I thought Davis Riley was a bulldog. <laughs> Davis Riley went to Alabama. He played at Alabama. Which one? Which guy went to Georgia? Thompson. Davis Thompson. Davis yeah, Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Lee Hodges also on here went to Georgia. Yep. I saw a picture of two Georgia guys yesterday with their tour cards. Right. And I thought for some reason one of them was Davis Riley, but that was Lee Hodges and. Uh, 
Yeah, the, the other Davis. And then the Oklahoma ties here, you obviously had Taylor Moore and Max McGreevy getting their cards this week. And, uh, I mean, they had already locked them up, but they received uh, their PGA Tour cards, so that is huge for them. Edmund Santa Fe and Edmund Memorial getting some tour cards there uh, this week. And, you know, boys, I, I just love that scene. I think it's really cool that they do that scene where they – award them with their tour card yeah. give them an actual card you know to very cool it, it, i think that's awesome and that did you see those hats they had the 25 hats so yeah. that was pretty cool yeah uh and then obviously guys like josh creel uh and charlie saxon and a couple other guys will definitely have a chance to be in the top 25 uh from the corn fairy finals which is made up you know of like we talked about last week it's the top one or 126 to 200 on the PGA on the Tour. PGA Tour, yep. and then the top 75 yep. of the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and then it's like a tournament within a tournament, you know, uh, for the t- 25 guys uh, who already have their PGA Tour card, but they will be included in that Corn Ferry Final. And there were two guys who went from inside to outside, two guys who went from outside to inside the top 25 on the Corn Ferry. David Skins, the winner, was yep. one of them, moved from 46 to 22. The other was Austin Smotherman, moved from 26 to 25. Just moved up one place, but it was an all-important one place. The two guys who moved out, Taylor Montgomery, dropped from 24 to 26. And unfortunately, Peter Uline, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, came into the week at 25th, did not make the cut at this week's event in Nebraska. So he dropped from 25th to 28th and we'll have to try to earn his card in the corn fairy tour final so still uh still 25 more cards up for grabs but it's it's getting dicey it's it's now yeah. or never for these guys yeah. on the corn ferry or, or they'll have to tee it up next year and try to get after it again right and we mentioned last week uh that michael gellerman uh needed to finish in that top 200 uh to get into that corn fairy final and he did not so i i saw a great tweet from michael uh, saying, you know, I'm going to get back to work. It's going to be a tough off season, but he's not giving up by any means. If I know Bob, then, you know, I it, he's definitely a guy that's just going to keep his nose to the grindstone, work even harder, and he's going to be successful one day, I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah professional he, golf's to grind. It is. He's, it's just like Hayden said earlier when we had him on. It's just such, so what does, what, what does that put you, Sam, if you finish outside the top 200? What, what, what? What what's the next level from there? Do you go back to Q school? I am not positive because I know, you, I know you that you're be, not in the Corn Ferry final. You'd be uh, do you exi- have any? Sta- I bet they have like some sort of status on the maybe Corn conditional. Ferry but I mean, I, you're if you're outside the top 200, your status takes a mega hit. Yeah, but you're definitely above a guy that just got on the Corn Ferry tour. Yes. So you're they're probably going to have full Corn Ferry status. I w- I don't know about full. I think it may be. I, I was reading something he, about it the other day. I should have wrote it down. I, I should have looked this up. I I, would least, I wasn't expecting to talk about that, but he'll at least be exempt through the um, through any stages except for final stage of Q school. All all tour players are able to go to that. So that's worst case scenario if that happens. So, um, right. but but yeah, that that's interesting because you don't see that because. One thing that I know is that they could put players in a bind. Is like you play. Why are you punished more for playing? You know, semi bad on PJ tour. Whenever you play, just mediocre right. on the corn ferry. And Ferry's like tour, obviously, you know? Gellerman, you know, played half on the corn ferry when you know he couldn't get in the shuffle for the regular tour, right? Yeah. For the PGA tour, and that's like Uline who made the decision to play on the start playing the corn ferry tour, yeah. And, and it's it ended like, up costing him. Yeah, that, that has to. There has to be some way to fix that system. Why are you penal? Why should you have to go play on the less tour, lesser tour 
to try to whenever you have an opportunity to punt them. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So, so, so. I, I, by the way, I wanted to get to the stat of the day uh, whenever we were talking about Russell Henley and everything that took place at the Wyndham Championship. Russell Henley had a three-shot lead entering the final round. Uh, players in the last 15 seasons on the PGA Tour to lead by three entering the final round. Three or more entering the final round. What, uh, what percentage of the time do you think those guys go on to win? Over the last 15 years? Over the last 15 years. What percentage of the time do guys win on the PGA Tour when they take a three-shot lead in the final round? 93%. 93? No, way lower. I think it's 67%. With a three-shot lead entering the final round on the PGA Tour over the last 15 seasons, guys convert at a rate of 43.8% what? of the time. Tiger wow. has totally distorted our idea of what it means to have a 54-hole lead. Guess what Tiger is in his career with a three- or more-stroke lead after 54 holes in his PGA Tour career? Probably what I said, 93%. Yeah, it's got to be like in the 80% range. You're both remarkably low. Tiger is 25 for 25 in his career <laughs> with a three- or <laughs> more-shot lead after 54 holes. 100% nuts. tour average going into yesterday was 43.8%. That's not majors. That's all PGA That's Tour. all PGA Tour events. And Russell Henley lowered it. He didn't win yesterday, so that's probably about 43%. 40. It's probably 42 now because Russell Henley didn't win yesterday. Probably dropped it down a point. So you are less... That's crazy. When you're leading by three or more in the final round, and you're the odds of you winning are not are not in your favor. I mean, obviously you're going against the whole right. field, but still. Over the last 15 seasons, historically, you would have less than a 50% chance to win that golf tournament heading into the final round, leading by three or more. Also, just for the record, uh, if you're curious how many of those are Tigers distorting that stat, not many. Over the last 15 years, Tigers three for three in that category. So the rest of those were pre-2006 which means that from 96 to 2006, over that decade, Tiger was 22 for 22, closing them out after 54 holes. So, uh, again, sometimes I just like to point out how Tiger distorts our view of what it means to win professional events and what it means to hold 54-hole leads because it's not really that easy. It's it's tough to win on the PGA Tour. It really is. So, Boys, uh, before we get off the PGA Tour, Kevin Kisner, how high? Ooh. I looked it up earlier because I was going to ask on Oh, oh man, that's all right. A well, it was fourteen. Who else can we do today for how high? Give me a name and I'll Let's look him do, up. Let's uh, do. Who else was in that playoff yesterday that we should go after? You got Kevin Na. Uh, Let's do Kevin Na. Let's do a how high on Kevin Na. All right. Let's do it. Give me one Ta- second. What do y'all do? Your guesses, Tyler. You guess first. Go ahead. Eighteen. Eighteen. Kevin Na. Had his share of wins. No, that's I, I'm too high on that. Or high as in like I think he's probably closer to twenty something. Um, I'll say twenty two. Okay, well I was gonna say twenty four when you said eighteen. I'll stick with my twenty four guess though. Kevin Nah, it is loading. Kevin Nah. Sam, I also love how you have the official World Golf rankings on your computer and you pulled it up on your because phone. my <laughs> computer's being extra slow. I don't understand uh, why it's being so slow. But his best, Kevin Nah's best world ranking was. I think he might have gotten into the teens. The more I think about I, it, I got it. I don't think nineteenth. Gosh dang it, I was so close, he and I changed it. He just crept into the teens. Yep. <laughs> ah, he, was, he was at 20, but then he just walked it right into 19. Yep, and How about that? that was back in 2015. Just, just walked 19. it right in. Gosh darn it. You like I was the, but I still beat you, Colby. So you you like the logo on the back of his shirt, don't you? Yep. He's 33rd you know, right I, now, so it, he could be going up. If he would have won yesterday, we could have been talking about Kevin Naugh for the Ryder Cup. I, I don't necessarily Yikes. mind the walking in the putts. That's not the worst thing about Kevin Naugh. It's... It's everything else. That's that's really it. <laughs> he, Kevin Na and Bryson DeChambeau have the same personality to me. 
and totally opposite golf games. That's interesting. But it, but the difference is Kevin Na isn't socially awkward around the media and around people. So Kevin Na is I've heard very stories much, that are different. Well, but Kevin Na's public image, <laughs> he's very much able to put on a face for the public. Okay. Yeah. Whereas Bryson can't. Bryson is just socially awkward. Bryson can't say the right thing at the right time. Whereas I think Kevin Na has kind of trained himself to be able to do that. I mean, I've heard a story that it's the player will go unnamed and the uh, and the tournament will go unnamed. But uh, Kevin Na was hit into and during a practice round, not hit into. Kevin Na thought he was hit into uh, during a practice round. The ball ended up about twenty five yards behind him. Kevin Na sat there, waited, and berated this guy for about ten minutes. That, that's why he's known for his slow play because he has to <laughs> he has to rip players. He has to wait in room instead of getting onto the next tee box. Uh, okay, so I got a question for y'all. Let's let's flip the page here and go to the USAM. So USAM, uh, great event, always is. Comes right down to the wire and uh, ends up getting it done. How do you pronounce this this guy's last name? Piot Piot. Pyatt? Yeah, okay, Pyatt. so Pyatt ends up winning. Uh, he's three down with nine holes to play, comes back, charges in, wins, gets all the exemptions that come with it. Taylor, do you have the exemptions pulled up? Uh, I was getting there. For champion and runner-up. So, uh, yeah, Michigan State kid. It was Michigan State, North Carolina, I believe, yep. in the finals. Yep. And Michigan State kid gets it done. Um, so, great win for him, gets all the exemptions. Brian Stark, like we said earlier, was a quarter finalist. Bo Jin won a match in the match play. Amon Gupta advanced to the match play as well. So, it was a good week for a few of the guys from Oklahoma State. It was disappointing, though. We talked about last week or a couple weeks ago, Eugenio Chikara, who's in the PGA Tour, used top five going into the next season, had to withdraw as he uh, contracted mono. But, Taylor, do you have the exemptions pulled up now? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, um, you and or the winner and the runner-up get invited to the Masters if you stay in amateur. So, really, the semifinal was the match to watch because, yeah. I yes. mean, that, that's where all the pressure is, I mean, when you want to think about it. Um, you and the runner-up are invited to the next year's U.S. Open, um, though uh, – Provided that you both remain an amateur, though the champion now has the option to take the exemption even if they become a pro. So if you finish runner-up, you have to stay an amateur to play. But if you win, you can be a pro. I don't really know. That's a big deal. I don't know how that makes any damn sense, but okay. It doesn't, Um, but it's a big deal. You get an invite to the British Open, provided you remain an amateur. Uh, you are also you almost certainly get an invite to join the Walker Cup team. So I mean that's not really guaranteed, but but it happens every uh, yeah, time. Exactly, yeah. and then you get a variety of sponsors exemptions into PGA Tour events. So yeah, pretty good stuff. But I think, in all honesty, whenever you look at grand scheme of things, I think the semifinal match is where all the pressure is at all because right. Masters is where it's at. So I told you guys earlier I have kind of a hot take on the USAM. You ready for it? Of course. The USAM should not be match play. The USAM should not. It is the biggest amateur event in the world with so much on the line in terms of exemptions that can make or break a guy's career at a very young age being able to do a lot of this stuff. Let's identify the best player through stroke play. The best player is not identified. You're in, you're out at the USAM, and it's the biggest amateur event in the world. It should be four rounds, stroke play, winner, runner-up, get the exemptions. If you're not one of those guys, you're not one of those guys. I don't think it should be match play. I think that the USAM is the hardest tournament in golf to win because you almost have 300 guys, you know, over two courses just to get into match play. And then, so I think that it's, you know, definitely the toughest tournament to win in amateur golf, maybe in all of golf. Uh, Just, you you could put some PGA Tour pros out there and to have them go four rounds of stroke play and then, or is it, is it two rounds or four rounds of stroke play? At the USAM? Yeah. 
Uh, used to be two, but I think it's more than that now. Let okay. me look it up. Yeah, well, I think it's three or four rounds of stroke play, and then you go into match play. But it's like way. it's like the number one overall seed that wins the stroke play event. So he goes out. He was the best golfer. Hey, Hayden Wood did that one year. Yeah, Hayden, Hayden has the uh, lowest score uh, ever. For, at Riviera. At Riviera. I think it's two rounds because uh, Hayden broke the uh, score, Tigers scoring record, record, not just at Riviera. That's where it Hayden is two, was. It is two rounds. It, it is, is still yeah, two, it's two okay. it, Yeah, it's definitely two rounds because that just jogged my memory that Hayden Wood, who was just on with us, you know, at Riviera, Tiger had the lowest score ever for two rounds, and Hayden broke that. But so, then, so Hayden would probably agree with me that yeah, it should be stroke play. Hayden, Hayden would probably agree with you that it should be stroke play. But, you know, I think it's entertaining to watch, at least. Yeah, but, match play to me is just too random to decide the biggest amateur tournament in the world. How about this, guys? There was 12 guys for one spot to get in at 64. Ain't that yeah. crazy? Yeah, that playoff was nuts. That's insane. 12 for one. I wonder and, if they played a 12-some, two six-sums, three four-sums. I wonder how they played it. <laughs> Uh, pro- probably the two sixums like they did a six. Yeah, probably. Surely so. you can't but play a twelve. No. No, go- you can't. You can't wait twenty five minutes to a putt. Going back. To, going back to your point, Colby. Though I, I have to disagree. Just because, you know, obviously Sam doesn't think golf started until nineteen sixty five or whenever. But you know, the USAM has such a, a long tradition. And one of my one of my hot takes that that I have is that I think the PGA Championship should move back to a match play tournament. So I'm in favor of more match play I- events. And so I think that. If if it was similar to like for example, if you had two rounds of stroke play and then you took like the top eight players or top sixteen and then and then did match play, I'd probably have to agree with you. But once you get down to sixty four and then you get some of the best players around, you got to win six matches to win. Especially since the last round, uh, last one's thirty six holes. I, I think you find out who the best golfer is over the course of the tournament. I, maybe not in every scenario because some guys will get beat by someone in match play. But it's just like the NCAA basketball tournament. Let me ask y'all this, or Colby this. When Tiger won three straight U.S. Juniors and three straight U.S. Ams, was he the best player in those fields? Uh, Tiger's the exception to the rule always. Tiger probably would have won those if it was stroke play. Um, and, what about Jack? And, and bringing up the NCAA basketball tournament, I think is a really strong point for my argument because it's the worst way that a champion is identified in all of sports. Yeah. It's the worst way. It's, it's single I elimination. Tur- I, I just... Match play so the Masters is the biggest professional event in the world, right? Can you imagine if we just like qualified for a couple rounds to see the Masters and then played match play? Guy gets a green jacket at the end. Number one seed loses in the first round because match play is random. It's just it's there's different. That's, so that's not the, that's the not the tra- but golf is so much tradition. Sam doesn't like tradition, well, but but golf is tradition, man. I like he, tradition. So I, we're so we're just gonna keep using match play just because that's how we've always done it. Well, what else is match play? You have the WGC match play each year, and then you have this. What else match play is there? Do you have the British Am? What other uh, match play is there in the world? I mean, there's college match play tournaments. Okay, so the that's NCAA the big, is NCAA. match play. Okay, so the NCAA, which is a team competition, so you have to be strongly against that. We we had this conversation. So you want them to go back to stroke play? Uh, NCAA, I think the difference is it's a team, so you only take four out of the five scores in stroke play, right? Whereas in match play, you actually have to have five guys. So I don't think that that's actually a true parallel whenever we're talking about one-on-one. Because in match play in the NCAAs, you have to have five. In stroke play, you'd only have to have four. Now, maybe if we counted all five in stroke play, it would be different. It's just the USAM awards guys was so much. And here's I don't know, my, match play, match so play many, is so random. But here's my deal, too, is there's so many guys in the field that you're playing different courses on the same day. During the first two rounds. I mean, yeah, like, so, like, basically, 
if you and I were on different courses, like for the first two, if you changed it to stroke play, it would be four rounds, correct? Yeah, it'd be four. Okay. You do it like okay. on the PGA Tour, but early, like, late, and then leaders tee off late wanna, Saturday and Sunday. You want to, you know, crown the biggest amateur champion, like where you play two rounds and you're playing like when it was at Southern Hills and Cedar Ridge, you're at Cedar Ridge one one day and I'm at Southern Hills and then we switch and it could be completely different conditions. Oh, well, no, you'd have to, if you went to stroke play, you'd have to play one golf course. And but you, you, but you can't, you can't impossible. logically do that. There's 300 p- players in the field. Well, you would have and, to and have, you, you would have to have another qualifier to shrink the field down but then I to think a that, size where you could play Thursday. I think Friday. that would dilute the tournament even more. Because that's exactly what you just went against, qualifying for the tournament to get in. So you literally went from taking what you just said opposite of qualifying for the event, and that's what you want to institute, Cole. No, I think you're totally misinterpreting what I'm saying. No, I mean, no I mean, that's exactly what, that's you what, you said, but you would that's what you said. About, that's what you said about the Masters. You said, imagine having to qualify for the Masters and then getting into match play. The only difference is that now you go to stroke if play. If you can't finish and, in the top 64 in stroke play, then you're not one of the best players in the country. I, 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 I'm, I'm totally missing your point here. Like I'm, I'm totally you, missing your point. But you're saying crown the best champion. He has a chance in match play. If you if you went to stroke play and you said had a qualifier, say that you know he didn't qualify for even the four-round stroke play. I'm saying if you went to stroke play, the field would just have to be a size where you could play one golf course, early, late, tee times, Thursday and Friday, leaders tee off late, have a cut, I mean like a PGA Tour event, so that we can identify the best player. I just don't. I, th- I, I just don't think match play does that. I will. I will say this. I would maybe add one more round of stroke play to make it three, but but I, I don't agree with the, especially with the condensing the field. I think that that's completely horrible because the more players you get in the field, the more chance you have of figuring out who is the best amateur in the world. Well, so. I mean, you'd still have to. I mean, guys would still have a chance to go out and be in whatever. Maybe cut it to one fifty or whatever. You'd still have a chance to get in the one fifty. It's not like we're drawing names out of a hat to see who gets in the one fifty. Okay, so what's what's the difference between qualifying through stroke play method for stroke play and then qualifying through stroke play method to go to match play? Because when you go to match play, it now becomes a one-on-one game that is totally random. I would say the only way that that could really hinder someone would be like if Hayden Wood... who's not who totally broke, random. I mean, all the guys that were in the semifinals, you had the 24th seed, the 31st seed, the 35th, and the 4th seed. If, I mean that's that pretty, is random. That's really good. If if you that is random. if you no, lose go- golf wise, those seeds are really good. If oh, you, of course they're good players. Out of three hundred players, hell yeah, it's good. Of course they're good players, but I mean a guy goes out, beats everybody in stroke play, and then just runs into a guy who's having a hot day with a putter. You rolls, in, rolls in four forty footers that day and loses, and now the thirty two seed is in the semifinals because he got a hot putter for a few days. So you don't think Let that me, James Pyatt played the best out of everybody this week? I, I think that he played the best this week. Is he the best player in the field? Probably not. So, but isn't that? Wouldn't that be the same in stroke? Was play? Kevin Kisner the best player this week? Yes. Okay. Was he the best player in the field? He he played the golf course in the fewest amount of shots. I don't know if James Pyatt did or not because he wasn't playing against the entire field. He was playing against one guy at a time. Kevin Kisner played seventy four holes in the fewest strokes of anybody in the field. I don't know if James Pyatt did that because he wasn't playing against everybody in the field. He was playing against one guy at a time in match play. I mean, what if in the corner finals James Pyatt shot seventy four and one? I don't know if he did it or not. What if he shot 64 and lost? whoop de doo You lose. You get your ass beat. You go home. Yeah. That's, that's what dumb. happens. And that's dumb. That is not and dumb. And that's dumb for the biggest amateur event No, in the world. it's not. It's dumb that you want to limit the field to 150 players when you can get 350 and have a great you, tournament. You, you want a guy to shoot 74 and win and shoot 64 and lose, and you're like, that's just the way it is. No, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay, I mean, so, I mean, what... Uh, so, your solution literally is to cut the field in half and then just have a four-round stroke play event. Yep. 
That I is mean, that is horrible. That would ruin the USAM. Ruin. I don't know. It, whatever. Like it, basically, what I saw from the USAM, the the match play portion of it wasn't what I had a problem with. I had a problem with the fact that they cut down all the trees at Oakmont and made Oakmont yeah. a joke of you know what it used to be because guys were taking on six different holes taking different lines off the tees and going down other fairways because we have some vendetta against trees and I don't understand why did did Gary Player just piss everyone <laughs> off and said we're going to do the opposite of what he wants is is Oakmont going to have to install in course out of bounds serious question are they going to have to install in course out of bounds because the golf course for, this for week, the major championships, yes. The golf course this week was not played the way it's designed to be played. Also, I can't imagine it's good for pace of play to have guys going up opposite no. fairways or on safety. six and Bones, different holes. Bones brought up the fact that he was walking down number ten uh, the first day, and someone almost died because they had no clue that this kid was hitting down the other fairway, and the kid couldn't see. You know the fact that they were walking that there were other people walking up the fairway because there's no ropes yeah. at the USAM. It's a safety and, concern, and so. It, it, that would be at least in the, you know, on the PGA Tour in the U.S. Open or whatever at Oakmont, you know, you would have ropes so fans aren't walking up the fairway. But still, like someone, he said someone almost died, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, we played like uh, Lincoln West number one in OJGTs. Can't, can't yep. go up number 11. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Rose Creek 18. You can't go up number 10. It's a safety right. concern. It's a safety concern. Also, so, it's not the way the hole's designed to be played. And it's, right. you know, I mean, I'll say it. I mean, I can't blame any of these kids for going up the other fairway. If it's the easier way to make a birdie on the hole. Do it. Go yeah. for it. You legal. know. No, yeah. if it's legal, do it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, when you talk about, I mean, Oakmont's got a major coming up. Let me look up when it is. Um, but they're going to have to do something because, and you want to talk about, you know, integrity of the hole and all this, and, and I completely agree with that. But you can I, stop I, this easily by putting a couple of big trees right off the tee box. Yeah, you can. I think that's really the, strategically placed trees would do it. Right? I would, just uh, right off the tee box, you could still, you know, keep the visual of what you want of there being no trees if that's what Oakmont really wants right. but or just few trees just not no trees, trees just very few yeah. trees yeah. but you have to take away some of these lines the only way to do it is with strategically placed trees or in course out of bounds uh yeah. 2025 US Open will be there so we've okay. got uh, about 4 years to figure out what we're going to do and but i think in course out of bounds ruins the course as well because it's not agree. meant to be out of bounds it's not meant to be that big of a penalty if you hit it over there so then but, it's just a design flaw getting rid of all the trees so now yeah. so now we're in a paradox because yes we think the right thing to do is to install in course out of bounds no, no, but no. installing in course out of bounds the right thing to do is to put the trees back well yeah, yes but you know bringing in trees i mean oakmont's got a lot of money but that's not the cheapest thing to do the, the the laziest thing to do would be say hey if you're in this fairway if you're left of this rough line you're out of bounds and that's by far the laziest thing to do but that would be the easiest and i hope they do what you said sam just put some trees out there make it a little more interesting too so like you said you don't kill someone that's really the whole point of all this because i don't i could care less how you play the hole i just don't want people to get killed for a stupid reason well and also i, I really it's a pace of play concern for me too I mean, guys are going up the wrong fairway all the time. We're having to wait for groups to come on. We're having to do other things. I mean, you, you can't go out and hit until the other group tees off. It turns a, a four-and-a-half-hour round into a five-and-a-half-hour round. We saw, I saw this a lot at Southern Hills, and I, I recognize in tournaments I play, but you don't see this. When you got, like, greens really close to tee boxes, you're already waiting on that yeah. green to finish before mm -hmm. you hit or someone to hit on the tee, vice versa. Now, all of a sudden, Oakmont, Oak, Oakmont's a traditional golf course, so it's very similar. So now all of a sudden you're going to have people waiting on the green to wait for people on the tee box who are waiting on people in the opposite fairway to hit. Yeah, it's it's pace play disaster. I mean, it would be six-hour round plus probably. Yeah, no doubt Especially about it. considering the fact that has anyone broken par to win at Oakmont since 
Lord knows when. Oh, probably not. You know, so I, wonder I, mean, if, I wonder if it'll happen in 2025 if they allow guys to go up opposite fairways. One thing I did notice in the USAM was that the rough was way down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not what it'll be in 2025. For it was Oakmont, not. Yeah. For Oakmont standards. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of standards, absolute highest standards at the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, both avid golfers, high quality, individualized patient care, total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all all of North America, visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, all right, so we're talking about legal and what's legal to do at Oakmont, taking it up the the, uh, the wrong fairways and stuff. We all know the rules of golf are very, uh, very left open to interpretation sometimes. Some people like them, some people don't. But so we had Hayden Wood on earlier, talk about his win on the APT. We didn't want to overshadow it. Uh, we didn't want to, you know, he doesn't need to talk about it. They, they did what they needed to do. We wanted to talk about his win, but we figured we should get into the rangefinder fiasco a little bit before we close out today. So what happens is uh, Zach Boshu, Hayden Wood, and the, the other kid, I had his Brett name pulled White. up earlier. Brett White. Yeah. Brett White are all playing in the final group together. Uh, and I guess on the third hole, uh, Boshu notices that the slope is turned on on the rangefinder. He and Hayden talk about it, and they decide a rules official has already come over to help them look for a ball. They're looking for a ball. I believe it was Brett White's ball on the third hole. They're looking for a ball, uh, not able to find it, and so they go ahead and broach the subject of the rangefinder having the slope turned on. Uh, most people know what slope is. You shoot it. If you're going uphill, it'll tell you 132, slope adjusted 136. You had four yards to the been to Colbert Hills, it's definitely a very slope. You know, it's very uh, elevation. A lot of long, yeah, yeah. a lot of ele- elevation change. Yes, yeah. Kansas so, State's home golf course right. for anyone who isn't. Yeah, aware. Manhattan, Kansas. So, uh, so slope is a huge advantage. There's a reason it's not allowed. You have to judge that stuff. You have to know uh, what you're doing on these holes. It also goes into your preparation and practice rounds, being able to know how much slope to factor in on these holes. So, there's a reason that slope is illegal. Uh, and and if we want to discuss whether it should or shouldn't be illegal, we can later. But that's not the point. The point is. The slope was turned on. The slope had been used. This was the third hole. The player admitted that the slope had been used. The player was disqualified. But then what I thought was was odd, so if you slope once on accident and then you can turn it off, accident or purpose, then it's a penalty. You use it twice, it's a DQ. So he was DQ'd. It was the third hole. He, He admitted he'd used it multiple times. He says that it was an accident. I wasn't there. Nobody's in his head. I mean, all you can do is take his word for it. Either way, accident or not, slope was on. He was using it. Um, And what was weird, though, was the Twitter brigade yesterday started to come after Hayden, acting like Hayden had done something wrong uh, because he and Boshu pointed it out to the rules official, and they just basically asked him, and he was like, yeah, it was on. I didn't mean to. And I I don't know. It's just the the kid who had the slope on his rangefinder seemed to be getting all of the benefit of the doubt. And it's almost like... Um, the Twitter brigade, brigade was trying to paint Hayden as the bad guy because he went on to win the tournament. I don't know, man. Your, your slope's on, intent or not. That's an advantage. I I don't know. That's, um, well, the Twitter brigade... protecting the field. The Twitter, all the Twitter crap started, you know, when Monday Q Info misphrased his tweet. And, and what, 
you know, this tweet said uh, was basically that White had accidentally flipped just, just it Just read, read it verbatim okay. because the wording yeah. is actually and, very important. And, okay. and, and put it into context, we've defended Monday Q yeah. numerous times here because Especially, PGA Tour and, has And we'll continue to because yeah. what the PGA Tour is doing to him should be criminal. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just read it verbatim because the wording is very important. Yeah, but this tweet was a joke. I'm not going to defend this whatsoever. So basically, Monday Q uh, info tweets out and says, a wild circumstance uh, happened on the APT tour. Brett White was in the final group the final day playing with Hayden Wood and Zach Boshu. White is T2. Uh, Wood notices that White has the slope flipped on on his rangefinder and takes a picture of it. Calls the rules official. White had accidentally flipped it on and had used it twice, resulting in a DQ. Now, that is total speculation, and none of that uh, is exactly how this happened. So, so, again, the wording is very important because he said in his tweet, White had accidentally flipped it on. And he also said that Hayden called a rules official. Neither of The rules official was already there helping look for a lost yeah. ball. But also, the wording is so important because what the tweet should have said was White said that he accidentally flipped it on. What the tweet said was White accidentally flipped it on. Yeah. We don't know if, if White tweet- accidentally flipped it on. We don't know. I'm not I'm not here to bash the kid's character. I'm not here to say that he's totally innocent. I'm not here right. to do either. But I'm, I don't know if it was an accident or not. Either way it was on. Imagine the tweet said, you know, White cheated. You know, and right. so like it, it then everyone would have gone after uh White on that. F- phrasing but is basically important there. the phrasing set Hayden up to get uh, ripped on Twitter, which I don't even understand why people want to rip Hayden on Twitter because Hayden's job is to protect the field. Uh, and, and it's not like this was all Hayden either. It, it was, you know, his job to protect the field. You know, it was brought to Hayden's attention, you know, that the guy was using the range finder. That's why Hayden took the picture of it in the first place. With the slope. With yeah. the slope on. And then when the rules official was called over, the rules official then took all the evidence into consideration and DQ'd Brett White. And so there's this should be my whole deal is this should be a non-story. And then we get to the whole Twitter brigade and the guy that was leading the charge on this was you know, West Texas driving range pro whose name, you know, JJ Colleen yeah. is the guy on Twitter. He's Monday queued into some events and he's a, a mini tour player. And he, he went way too far. He, he, and, he, and he made some it very personal. verbal language. Yeah. And made it personal with Hayden. And yeah, he was I, personally attacking whole, Hayden when Hayden didn't do anything wrong. The, the whole deal is basically the wrong information was sent out initially and then it got personal on twitter and things were taken way too far this should be a non-story and uh basically that's why i wanted to have hayden on today so we could make sure and not overshadow the fact that hayden fair fairly and squarely won his first P, uh first uh pro event yeah yeah on the shot 18 under par shot 18 under par and did it without using slope and here hayden, i got a couple questions about this so my thing is that, I, and I know rangefinders are different. I've been trying to read up on this because, from my understanding, and I'm a little archaic with my rangefinders, but used to be the only way you could turn the slope on would be you had the little clip in the front or whatever, and you take it out and you no, flip it. But that's and, not what he was using. He was yeah. using one where you you know flick the little button. Okay, so you flick the button right on the side or whatever, and I, I get that that can just no, it I, can't just happen because when you shoot your yardage, you literally see it it's come on up. the screen. The number so, is on the screen, so clearly the onus falls on uh, Brett White to call that on himself the first time that he sees it. You can't. I I I have played numerous numerous rounds of competitive golf, and if there is a slope on, 
you you notice it immediately. You you notice it immediately, and and it and clearly the onus should fall on him, and he should have called the penalty on himself, and and not we wouldn't have even had any of this. But I I I lose a bunch of respect because I don't think that there's any way that you can accidentally flip on your rangefinder and do it multiple times without seeing that slope number when you look through the little lens and shoot the pin. That slope number comes up. There's no uh, way. I, I There's no possible way you don't see that. I think you could accidentally flip it. I don't think you could not notice slope on the screen. No, no. Th- there's no way that you can't. So, so I guess whenever you flip the switch on, does it have like, like for example, an emergency switch is on? Does it have like a little red sticker on? Is that how you can tell? Is that, is that how it works, yes. Sam? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, because um, like I said, I've been trying to read into because people are trying to defend this Brett White kid. Which I mean, if if you don't intentionally cheat and people are calling you a cheater, you, you should have a right to defend your name. But I don't even care how that tweet was phrased. I mean, the kid, even even if he did accidentally turn it on, Hayden did nothing wrong. He called a guy out for freaking cheating. I mean, it doesn't matter if you... Whether he did it accidentally or not is irrelevant. Yeah, it's irrelevant. Oh, if I accidentally... If I have a 15-footer and accidentally kick my ball five feet closer to the hole, I mean, what am I just supposed to hit it? It's irrelevant. Yeah, oh, I accidentally did it. It doesn't matter. I still keep going. And what it comes down to, it is the responsibility of the player... Always, in this scenario, it is the responsibility of the player to make sure that slope is not on on the rangefinder. Yeah. And if it is, you rectify the situation immediately. Yeah. Either either get another rangefinder that doesn't have slope to use for tournaments. You can use slope in practice rounds to take notes. Use a separate one in the tournaments. Or if you're just going to have one that you use for both, I know they're expensive, you, it's your responsibility to make sure slope's not turned on. And it's very important here that it was not Hayden that noticed it. It was actually the other guy in the group, Zach Boshu, who basically said, Hayden, look at this. He's using, you know, slope on his range finder. And then they all kind of talk to the rules official. Which any group does. Any any group does. And so that's another thing I didn't like about the whole tweet is everyone started coming after Hayden just because he won the tournament. Yes, it it's, very and, much and a lot of like, people thought that it happened on like eighteen. This happened on number three, right? And Hayden was ahead of Brett White when it happened. Yes, so basically Hayden was just doing the right thing, and so was Zach Boshu. They did the right thing, and I think this is an absolute non-story. It sucks for the guy who got DQ'd and lost the money, but he shouldn't have had his rangefinder turned on slope. That should be in the story. It's his responsibility. I, yeah. I, I, I just have to know. I mean, at the end of the day, is it obviously for the result of the disqualification intent should not matter and does not matter. But did the kid purposely have it on or not? I mean, I think that that's really what it boils down to. Because Only he it, will ever know. If you purposely do that, you never deserve to tee up in a professional tournament again. Only he will ever know. And, and that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not here to attack his character. I'm also not and, here to defend him. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's irrelevant, though, it, T-Dub. Exactly. Yeah. It was his responsibility. I, I, don't, I don't think it is, though, because... You're, you're, you're saying it's relevant to his reputation. I'm just talking about this tournament. This tournament, it's irrelevant to this tournament. Oh, absolutely. But I think it's relevant to all tournaments going forward because we saw at the PGA Championship, they started implementing rangefinders. This could start turning into a PGA Tour thing. So, I mean, rangefinders are not going away anytime soon. They're just going to keep on getting fancier and bigger. And next thing you know, you'll have one that can tell you point, oh, 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 how far you are to the hole every single time. you tell you the wind. It'll tell you if, you, if you're going to miss hit the ball. I'll tell you how far it goes. I so, mean, that's how. Yeah, and when we're talking about the reputation of Brett White, you know, basically, I, I just want to make it clear that, you know, it's not like Hayden just 
took a picture randomly and, <laughs> and called the rules official right over. You know, it's it was brought to Hayden's attention. He was doing it to protect the field. And it's not like they even called the rules official right over right then. They were looking for a ball, and they said, also, you might want to take a look at this guy's rangefinder. And it and, and, and was turned on. If I was playing in a tournament with money on the line with a guy and I noticed that he was using slope, I would call him on it. Yeah. It, I, this should be a non-story. Didn't you have a situation like this at a, a club tournament you played in? We did. It was like it was like a couples thing, or maybe it was just it was like some weeknight tournament, so it wasn't a big deal. We're playing for like forty bucks. A guy in our group, uh, it was like the first hole of the of the day. It was shotgun start, so we were starting on a par three. So we get out and everybody's lasering, and he says uh, one sixty seven, one seventy two with slope, and I went whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, don't tell me that. Why is that Why is that on? And he was, I mean, this guy was like 55, maybe 60. He, he knew nothing about the rule. We talked about it on the tee box. I explained the rule to him. I, I'm, like, I, I'm like, no, you're totally fine. It's, it's no big deal. Again, we weren't really playing for anything. It's not yeah. like there was $23,000 on the line. He didn't know the rule. It's different from professional golf. I just explained to him, hey, you can't use slope. And he was like, man, I am so glad you told me that so I didn't do it in a bigger tournament. That's literally yeah. what he said. He's like, I'm glad you told me that because I would have hated to do that in a big tournament and then have somebody think I was trying to cheat. He just turned it off, didn't and, use it the rest of the round, no big deal. And ignorance in a PGA turn, I mean, in a, a pro professional tournament, event. you know, doesn't matter. Like, you're... It's your job to know the rules, and yeah. I and think it's your, that, and it's your responsibility to abide by them. And I, yeah. it's and not your playing partner's responsibility to let you slide when you don't. Yeah, I, and I—that's why I was shocked at Twitter. They were basically defending a guy who, whether you think he broke the rule or cheated, either way, I don't understand why. You know, people. E- are going either way, after. it was clearly an infraction. Either way, the rules official was justified in disqualifying. Him. <laughs> yeah, so I, mean, like, I, I, don't I don't understand. But and, and here's the question I have, and, and when I say it matters, it does. Like I said, Sam, it doesn't matter for the tournament, but it matters going forward because what percentage of players are actually out there cheating using slope? Here's what, what I, I think is going to happen at some point, and I don't know how difficult it would be to enforce at like the APT level, but I think at PGA sanctioned events and like Corn Ferry Tour, Champions Tour, PGA Tour events, I think if we get to the point where rangefinders are used, they'll just have to implement a rule that says you're not allowed to step on the course with a rangefinder that has a slope setting. Yeah. You just Even you, if it's you, on or off. On or off, you you have to step on the course with a basic rangefinder. That way, that that solves all problems. Number one T, you show your rangefinder to the starter. It doesn't have slope on it. That, it's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. So and it was. Uh, it turned into more than it should have been, but makes for a good conversation about what to do as rangefinders continue to evolve right. and continue to be allowed in professional golf. So right. uh, before we get out of here, let's just have a little fun, shall we? J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith, collegiate <laughs> golfer. J.R. Smith, thirty-five years old. Which, by the way, good for him for only being 35. I thought when people used to say... He's like the oldest 35. <laughs> I thought when people used to say J.R. Smith's never seen a shot he didn't like, I didn't know they were also talking about golf. Right, right. Yeah, J.R. Smith, former Oklahoma City Hornet legend. He is now <laughs> he's now going back to get his degree at North Carolina A&T, and he's dis- in discussions with the NCAA about his eligibility to play college golf at North Carolina A&T. Have you, have you seen why he's in discussions trying to figure out his eligibility it's because I, I thought it was official is he, it not is it not official yet i don't, I don't think, think it's official. i don't think he ever even took an act but now they're or sat and now they're trying to figure out when he you know graduated high school what what was the uh was it the act or sat yeah, and, like, and what was the like content on there because they're trying to figure it out to make this somehow legal for jr smith to go to uh where is A and M? North Carolina, Carolina A&T. North Carolina A and T. Yeah, 
And you know, I what? would love to see it. There's oh, no way he'd be good enough to make the team, right? There's no way he'd I mean, be good enough to make the team. I, I, North I, I, Carolina A and I will say this: still, low-level college golf is still really quality yeah. golf. I, I, Maybe I, not at North Carolina A and T. I mean, I, is he a plus? I, I, I'll tell you this: there was a viral video or viral photo to, that went. I'm going to go to North Carolina A and T's uh, strokes. Uh, stroke averages. Okay, <laughs> he played Pine Valley a couple years ago and bought like ten thousand dollars worth of merchandise. So he definitely loves golf. I know that. I don't know <laughs> right? what he shot that day, but he definitely loves golf. I have so. a a surefire way for him to get on the team at North Carolina A&T. Become, become a, a donor. Become a major North Carolina A&T golf donor. Is that legal? Is it legal to give money to the program that you're playing for? Like, could he give them a million bucks and be like, hey, I want to go to tournaments? The, 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 the exact pack. opposite of the NIL. By the way, giving by the way would, would, would JR be the most paid player in college golf? Oh, 100%. Oh, no doubt. Like, sponsorship-wise? His, his NIL, if he played college <laughs> golf, would be ridiculous. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. All right, here we go. Uh, I, I'm pulling it up. You guys got to stall thing. for me here's for a second. But here's another thing that we have to worry about. JR's score is notoriously bad at knowing what the score is. Whose scorecard's he keeping? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's good stuff. JR's going to lay up off the 18th tee and play for a bogey because he thinks he needs a bogey to win. Turns out he needed to make three. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – man, yeah, not to get off sidetracked here, what do you think was his deal? Did he just have a brain fart? People think he was high during that game. I you mean, know? he just forgot the score. Maybe maybe he just had didn't, a brain fart and was high. Didn't look up at the big scoreboard that was right Could there be in the game one of the finals? I mean, there's only about 40 scoreboards in an NBA arena. So, I mean, it'd be tough to know what the score is. But, I mean, people forget. People forget from time to time. I'm just saying, I'm not letting J.R. Smith keep my score. It, it might be. It might work in your favor. I, I'm trying That's to figure out point. how to find these stroke averages. I don't, I don't know. Like, does that thing, does it exist on the internet that you can actually find North Carolina A&T stroke averages? Normally, on the college golf website, you can find it. Yeah, you could probably, you could probably find it on their, on their website. They'll have. I'm just saying, I don't think a guy who's been playing in the NBA for the last nearly two decades is good enough at golf to go out and make a college team. I mean, would he be good enough to make the team at OC? Here we go. Statistics. No. Why is it not coming up? He wouldn't be good enough to make those teams. I have my stat and I lost it. I don't know. Pause the pause the podcast. All right, quick. pausing the podcast so that we can find North Carolina A and T stroke averages throughout the season and determine whether J.R. Smith should be a collegiate golfer. All right, I think I think we found some scores for North Carolina A and T. We couldn't find any stroke averages. We couldn't find stroke averages, but we found some tournament scores. We're trying to determine if J.R. Smith could play collegiate golf. Hit us, Sailor. Okay, so last year it looks like they played a whopping. I see a whopping two tournaments they played last year, probably because of COVID reasons. But we'll get into some of their scores. So North Carolina A&T at, in their first tournament, it was March 15th and 16th this year, Myrtle Beach. They finished ninth out of 11 teams, tied for ninth, may I say. They shot 300, 308, 321 for a solid plus 65. Winning winning school was minus 21, so they lost by, was it, 86 strokes? Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very windy. It was very windy that week. JR, JR could break it. And, and what we got to remember is on that 321, those are the scores that counted. They threw out a score. I, could JR Smith break 80 in competition? Yes. I on a college golf. I don't know. I've the never way seen JR Smith up. play golf. I tell you, JR, he's. Have he, I told you all that I met JR at Oak Tree one time? I think so, yeah. How long ago was that? That was back when I was in high school. It was on Oak Tree family side. Uh, and JR, it, first of all, we're it's right after school. We're having practice. Serious it's question. when he played for the Nuggets. He's shirtless, right, at Oak Tree? He had a shirt on. He had a shirt on. While he was near the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it came off later. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, so we're 
up there on the range at, at, at practice for uh, Edmund North, and basically JR is on the end of the range, but we're like, who is that? That has to be – you know when you just get that feel that mm-hmm. that's someone famous, mm-hmm. but no one's talking to him, No, no nothing's weird well, about most it. most of y'all are probably a little too young to remember him with the Hornets. No, I mean, I, I went to every game, and yeah, he was okay, at halftime okay. doing the Macarena. He never really got in. He was in the doghouse with Byron Scott. but that's He was very deep in the ne- doghouse. Neither here nor there. No, but <laughs> so – and so we're like – that's J.R. Smith. And, and we're, we finally figured it out. And we go up to J.R. And he could not have been nicer. And he said, and he goes, man, I don't know why y'all play this hard-ass game. I just play basketball. shit way easier than this. <laughs> <laughs> That's but funny. Clearly, he's had, that was back, you know, in like how 20, was swing? 2011. How was swing? I mean, it was 2011. So I don't really remember how good his swing was. But I've seen some videos recently. And it doesn't look terrible. Okay. It, it looks like he could shoot, you know, at least like 78 to make the team okay like on a consistent basis that combined with some donations and maybe he makes the team yeah I'll, I'll say this i'll say he played in the nba which you have to be a world-class fitness athlete to do he his first 36 old term he's gonna quit the team i mean walking 36 <laughs> holes is i would love to worst. hear jr talk about how hard it is to you know wake or wake up at 5 a.m go start your round at eight and get off the golf course at eight and then get up again at five o'clock in the morning to go, you know, play another 18 dude, holes. And tournaments it, are you, so you have miserable. to do a handstand in the shower after those tournaments, dude, your legs are rubbing so raw. It's crazy. And then you got 18 more next day. I How remember I didn't even, I didn't play collegiate golf, but even high school golf every year at chick shower. First term was at Fort Sill and it was 36 holes <laughs> every year. First term at Fort Sill. And they got that huge hill coming up 18 whenever you finish. And God, when you finish your 36th hole, and you have to walk up that hill to get to the clubhouse. I mean, there are times going up that hill where you're not sure if you're going to make it. <laughs> I mean, seriously. The only thing that gets you through is knowing that you're done. It's, oh, God. Oh, God. God. The worst it. feeling ever is when you're like on number eight in the first round, and you're like, I'm going to walk all the way around this course today, back to this spot, and then like 12 <laughs> more holes after that. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, Fort Sill, the 18th green at Fort Sill was the site of one of the funniest things that we ever saw when we were in high school. You'll oh, like my this God. Story, this is so ridiculous. La- last group on the course. Th- this is a true story. Last group on the course. It's the five bags from some smaller schools. We don't know what they're shooting. It's probably not south of 120. So these guys come up, and this kid finally gets his ball on the green. I don't know, 20, 30 feet. He putts up. He putts. He putts. He putts. He putts. He's just like ping-ponging it back and forth from three feet around the hole. Can not get Get the ball in the hole. Finally, I swear to God, he doesn't just pick up. Sammy picks his ball up. He drops it in the hole from right above the hole, and then he picks it up out of the hole, and he's now concluded his round. And they were the last group on the course. Everyone was watching them. There were 100 people on the hill watching this kid pick his ball up, drop it in the hole, and then pick it back up. And the worst part is, I think there was a stroke limit that day, so he could have just picked it up and put it in his pocket. No, he picked it up, dropped it in the hole. Never leave on a miss. Never leave on a miss. That's beautiful. He I respect it. That's beautiful. He, he, he would have been out there till probably yesterday. I if hope, I could let him go. I hope whoever that was has somehow found his way to this podcast and listened to that story. And if you are that person, message us on Twitter and we will have you on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I have to know the thought process behind the decision. 100%. Uh, Sam, you're getting married yep. on Friday. Yep. You you with us this week? I'm, I'm with you you're tomorrow. Good. You're good. Yep. All right. Then All next right. week, we'll uh, we'll find some stuff for you. Taylor, yeah. go ahead. One last thing before we get out of here. Got to give a shout out. 
uh, friend of the show and also uh, OU commit Ryder Cowan won AJGA mm-hmm. up at Cedar Ridge, uh, hosted by Bo, Bo Van Pelt. Let's give Bo Van, Bo Van up, Pelt Bo. some some credit for doing that. I know Bob Estes did that down in Abilene, so it's always great when the tour players are able to give back and help. And yep. like I said, Cedar Ridge is some, one of our favorite golf oh, courses absolutely. around. No you, doubt. You said it might be. Is it your favorite course? It's in my Tulsa? favorite course in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. And, yeah. and that's saying something. And yeah. so, boy, Ryder Cowan, the only player to shoot under par, shot two under, one by five strokes. Um, some other Oklahoma guys, Parker Sands finished third. Uh, Jake Hopper from Norman finished fifth. Ben Stoller, 6A champion, finished sixth, along with Will Hennessy. And so, yeah, a lot of, lot of Oklahoma guys there. And OU has has got a stud in the making, I, and, let me tell you. And thanks to uh, Austin Eckrow, who texted me that picture of, you know, Bo Van Pelt, Austin Eckrow, uh, Kevin, Kevin Tway, and Robert Streb. That was pretty cool. You had three Evan North guys and then Bo Van Pelt out there uh, on the range at a PGA tournament. That was yeah. sweet. Pretty sweet. Pretty good stuff. All right, a lot of great stuff. FedEx Cup playoffs start this week. We've got the Northern Trust preview. That's coming your way. Um, we'll get you ready for all that as the top 125. We'll tee it up and see who advances to East Lake. It is time. The playoffs are here. Ryder Cup will be shortly after in September. Golf, regular season's over, but we are far from finished folks great year in 2021 with the super schedule uh thanks everybody for listening once again to the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma playoffs 